The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. It's going to be a little, a little rough today, just to be honest with you. I tried to come up with something sweet, but I was unable to do it. I want to talk for a few minutes for about the children. On the way at the door, Jinder was making, not making fun of me, but he was laughing because he said, how can I talk about the children knowing that I'm, he knows that I'm not ruthless, but I'm not very gentle. But I do want to talk about the children because I, I love children. I really do like children. Larry Jefferson had a very tender heart for children, believe it or not, for those who, who those of you who met him. And when he got to the point that he couldn't teach, he, he came to me and he wanted me to take over his class which I did. And at the time, I didn't know how much of a blessing. And I'm very grateful to the Lord, number one. And number two, I'm grateful to the parents who, who trust me with their children. It's, it's, it's a blessing to, to, to carry on the ministry. For those of you who work with children, you know what it's like. I don't take it lightly because I know that teaching the Bible to young people is the beginning of their Christian life. And whatever you, you, you lead them into when they're little is what they're going to end up with. And so I'm, I'm very, very, very happy to be doing that. I've always loved children, and I never imagined that one day I would be doing this and having the privilege to teach the Bible to children. It's, it's a true blessing to me, and I don't take this opportunity lightly. But to me, it's, it's heartbreaking to know how much injustice is being done to children, not only in America, but around the world. So in trying to with something that would justify this madness. So now, like I was saying, in trying to justify this madness, I decided to investigate a few things, to look at a few species of animals that are highly protected by our government. And it's crazy. In California, in the Central Valley, we have the, what is called a kangaroo rat. I don't know if you've ever seen those things, useless things. But it's incredible how protected these things are. And if you kill one of them intentionally, you, you'll pay a very high price for them. But the two-legged rat in the Central Valley will tell you that killing unborn babies, it's okay. In this area, we have what is called the tiger salamander. It's a useless creature about that big. The tiger salamander, it, because of the tiger salamander, construction sites are either shut down or put on hold. Because before any, any work can be done, the tiger salamander needs to be relocated. And all the steps that are necessary to protect that useless thing have to be taken, and no one can do anything. On the west side of Stony Point a while ago, they had signs posted on every side street that said, the red, slow down, salamander crossing. You ever seen how slow salamanders walk? <laughs> I go faster when I see one. <laughs> the bald eagle, the mountain lion, the monarch butterfly, the North American wolf, the North American wild horse, the great white shark, the whales, the dolphins, the turkeys, the North American buffalo, the elk, and many more species of animals are protected. And not only you will pay a lot of money for killing one of these things intentionally, but you will go to jail if you do it. By killing unborn babies, 
is not only legal, but is supported by our uh, government representatives. Pregnancy nowadays is considered an inconvenience, and the lives of the most innocent are now worthless in the eyes of civilized people. Next, we have the trees. We have an endless number of trees and plants that are protected. You can't even burn firewood on a cold, rainy day because the EPA will go after you without mercy. I think that we have lost the ability to think, and when people love trees and animals more than children, it's time to take them to the nuthouse. Many people run in our government belong in mental institutions. And in one way or another, they are worshiping the devil. First Peter 5, verse, one, verse, uh, verse 8, the Bible compares Satan to a roaring lion. In Ezekiel chapter 31, the Bible compares Satan to a giant cedar tree. I don't know if you can make the connection, connection there. People loving animals and trees, tree huggers. I'm not saying that we need to destroy the environment. Of course not. All I'm saying is don't get too crazy about it. God himself is going to do it one of these days. He's going to do a great job. And only then, Al Gore and his mafiosos will literally shut up and go away. So, Like I said, it's going to be it's going to be a little, a little rough. We have a rescue program for just about anything under the sun, but not too many people are thinking about rescuing the family, and as a result, we have a big mess in our hands. We have lost the value of what family is really all about. And when the family goes, society will go. And as society goes, so goes the church. It's almost impossible to go out to a public place and try to witness. If they don't slap you in the face, they'll chase you out of town. They don't want to hear it. But all of that is a result of many years getting away from the Word of God. This doesn't happen overnight. The divorce rate is higher than marriage. And the number of people living together keeps getting higher and higher. Less and less value is placed on the family. And when the family crumbles, the whole thing will crumble. Divorce is a tragedy for everyone involved, not just the couple. It's a, it's a tragedy for the parents of the, the man and the woman. But it's a major tragedy for the children because they are the ones who suffer the big blow. They're the ones who are going to grow up without a mother and without a father and without somebody to protect them until at least they're 20 or 21. The family was the first institution founded by God and the family was here long before the church. The family is the building block for every civilization. If you destroy the family, you can destroy a nation. It's just the way it goes. To me, all children are precious in the sight of God. You can be sure of this one thing, that the laughter of beautiful children 
will never be hurting her off. So let's go to our Bible. Take your Bibles to Psalm 127. Psalm 127, verses 3, 4, and 5. All children will be in heaven. You can, you can, if you had to bet, which we don't recommend you do, but if you did, all children will be in heaven. Psalm 127, verse 3. Lord, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Let us pray. My Father in heaven, what a, what a privilege it is to, to stand here before you people and deliver your word. Father, I know that you could find someone better to do this, Lord, but... For whatever reason, here we are. Pray that you will give me the wisdom, Lord, to to do this, to be truthful, Lord, and to stir up somebody, Lord. I want to make somebody uncomfortable today, Lord. I pray that you will give me the ability to do it, Lord, and to to put in the heart of our, our people. Awake them, Lord. Allow them to see the madness, the tragedy that we're experiencing in our nation. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Without question, God is good, and everything we receive from his hand is always the best. Even when we don't understand what's going on, he always gives us the best because he never gives leftovers. Not only that, he has no leftovers to give. To give. But the hand of God can go both ways. The same hand of God that can save you and protect you is the same, of, same hand that can grab you by the neck and dump you into the fires of hell. It goes both ways. I was talking to Gabrielle a few, a few weeks ago. <laughs> she was saying that she doesn't enjoy sermons that don't involve hell somewhere in the message. You gotta do it. You just can't preach without mentioning hell. You gotta tell people what it is that we need to be saved from. You can't sweeten this thing. It's just like looking at a dead body. How can you make that sweet? It's just not possible. And I agree with her. You know, it's just the way it is. Hell is, is, not, is not pretty. Death is not pretty. And if you preach a sermon without hell, you don't deliver the message. You have to do it. And if I have to scare you or make you uncomfortable to make you see the reality of what we're dealing with, that's what I'll do. I've decided to approach this text from a practical point of view, assuming that God Almighty has given us a brain and the ability to use common sense in the way that we should do things, and the way that we should carry our lives. So first I want to look at it from, at it from the insane way of thinking that people think that killing unborn babies is a good idea. Second, we're going to look at the suffering of the children who have been born and who is to blame for, in part. And third, I want to look at some of the people responsible for some of the breakdown in society, concluding with a brief look at what happens when we do things our way. 
and not God's way. So I've titled this sermon, Precious Children. It's not a joke. I do like children. So number one, for those of you who have children, you know that there's no better way to enjoy your life than to see your children grow up in a healthy environment. Not only that, when they embrace the Bible and they want to do and uh, do things for the Lord and serve the Lord, glorify Him, that, that, makes, that makes life easier. It makes you feel happy. Not only that, the house, the home is the place where children should be introduced to the Word of God. Every parent, every father in a house, it's his responsibility to teach the Bible to his children. It's our job to, to, to make sure that they know that God loves them, but they are accountable to their Creator. And one day they will give an answer. If they decide to get away from what we teach them, once they, get, once they become adults and walk away from it, it's not on us, it's, it's on them. The Lord has given us children so we can raise the next generation of Christians. But if we kill them or neglect them, how can we do this? It's just not doable. You know, it's not natural for a father or for a mother to kill his children or abandon their children. Most animals don't do this. And when a man or a woman decides to kill their unborn baby without question that the devil is at work, and he or she has been overtaken by Satan because no one in the right mind will do this. You just can't do it rationally. And yeah, it happens every day. It happens all the time. People do it by the millions. The people who keep track of these numbers tell us that since the decision Roe versus Wade in 1973 to legalize abortion, we have killed anywhere between 50 and 70 million unborn babies in America. That is an enormous number. I don't think we really know the exact number because this is what we get from the media. And I don't know if you, about you, but I don't trust the media. But give or take a few million babies, we're talking about a lot of blood here. That's a lot of blood on our hands. It's difficult to understand how it is that a highly educated person will go to school, medical school, take an oath, to save lives, and then turn around and take a job killing the most innocent. You know, I will hate to be one of those doctors on the day of judgment. I can tell you that the fires of hell will burn harder for these people. I'm crazy enough to think that it is possible that God gave us the scientist or the doctor that was going to discover the cure for some of these deadly cancers that take clay many lives every year. But I also think that it is possible that in the process of abortion, we have probably killed that person. I can't prove it, but it is possible. If you are a parent, you are truly blessed. There's nothing more amazing than to witness the birth of our children and being involved in their lives teaching them the word, of, the word of God and raising them for his glory. But not all children are fortunate to have both parents to care for them. Sometimes it's the, it's the result of a tragedy in the family. Sometimes there is no one to blame. But in many cases, 
is the result of irresponsible parents that causes children to grow up without their parent, without mom and dad, or a single parent. And that's why I want to spend a few minutes today. So point number two, a few years ago, I, I heard a report that some journalists had put together about the advantages and disadvantages of growing up without mom or without a dad or both. And he concluded by saying that the end result didn't look good. You know, I guess you have to be a brainiac to figure that out. Many children are being raised by their grandparents or by family members or friends of the family because the parents of these little ones have failed to do their job. I suppose some genius will have to do, will have to take the time to, to do an investigation like that. But really, a child who grows up with, grows up without his mother, without his father or both is set for disaster. You don't need a college education to figure these things out. A child who, bro- who grows up in a broken home is set for life. Many of these people never recover. Very few do, but it's very rare. Most of them never do recover. The number of, p- of children who grow up in broken homes that somehow make it is very small, and the number of people the number of those children who never make it is, is huge. You should go to prison and, and look at what happens. You'll see there the end result. You know, when children are little, very little, they don't care if they live in a mansion or in a shack in the middle of nowhere. They just don't care. They don't care if you take them to Disneyland in a brand new Rolls Royce or in a piece of junk. They just want mom and dad. That's all they need. Every child left to himself will destroy him. He will destroy himself. They all need a good balance of love and discipline. But if mom or dad are not around, that is not doable. It's just not possible. Proverbs 23.13 reads, Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. It just makes sense. You know, you don't beat them until they're dead. You just beat them enough until they get the message. You know? But I know that for those people who have read uh, Dr. Benjamin Spock, you probably know who that is, they think this is cruel, you know, but God knows better. And nothing delivers a message more effective than with a little bit of pain. If you fail to discipline your children, the government will do it for you. Even though the prison system is overflowing with criminals, somehow, somewhere, some way, they will find a way to make sure that they make accommodations for them. They'll, they'll get there. As a parent, it's, it's your responsibility to keep them away from bad influences. We have them everywhere nowadays. Social media is a huge problem. Drugs and alcohol is a problem among young people, but it's an enormous problem with people growing up in broken homes. Another thing that young people will do those who are growing in, in broken homes is eventually they will run away from home. When life at home gets so miserable, they just run away. And the sad reality is that these people don't make, they, they can't make decisions for themselves. There are some exceptions, but not many. For the most part, these people, when they grow up, they, they don't make good parents. Whenever they get married, they make no good parents. They're not good employees. I work with them all the time. They're unsuccessful at carrying on 
good relationships. They just can't do it. They don't know how to do it. Many of these people give themselves to drugs and alcohol, and some of them become very violent criminals. Proverbs 1, verses 10 and 11 reads, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they come with, if, if they say come with us, let us wait for blood. Let us look privately for the innocent without cause. This is the ruthless gangbanger in your neighborhood that is going after you, precious child. If we neglect them, there is always an evildoer out there somewhere who will be successful at corrupting your son or daughter. That's where we come in as parents. And then we have the child molesters. Many children growing up with a single parent or with no parents or with a friend of the family have very little supervision. And they spend a lot of their time bouncing all over the neighborhood, completely unaware of the danger that they are in. They have no idea. And yes, many of these children do suffer molestation and sometimes at the hands of family members, which is absolutely shocking. Uh, You know, I can't think of a more evil criminal than a child molester. Uh, If I had it my way, I know what I would do. But, you know, we we have a real mess in our hands here, and nobody has the answers to our problem. But this is what happens when people walk away from the Word of God. You can't do it. You just can't do it. Verse 4 of Psalm 127 says that children are like, a, like arrows in the hand of a mighty man. That means a, a large family provides a great deal of strength for not just mom and dad, but everybody around. Verse 5 of this chapter says that a man who has many children is happy. Not only that, but when they grow up, they provide safety, protection, not just for their family, but for the community. That's, that's what we're supposed to be doing. But if you kill them before they are born, or abandon them before, I mean after they are born, who's going to take care of you when you get old? For sure we are on a suicide mission in, in our country, and we don't want to turn around. No nation can survive very long doing what we're doing. To me, it doesn't look like revival is coming to America. I just don't see it coming. We have exchanged the truth for a lie. And people love death more than life. We have allowed lawmakers to throw the Bible out the door, which is our only light in this dark and sinful world. And we have exchanged it for evolution, which is nothing more than a fairy tale for for highly educated fools. That's all it is. And then we have our brilliant politicians who encourage depravity to the people by telling us that it is possible not to know what gender we are. It's crazy. You know, my son told me how you can discover what you are if you are male or female. It's really simple. If you want to know, ask him. He'll tell you. kind of scary when you can see yourself and your children in the way they think. You know? <laughs> On top of that mess, 
Our lawmakers are legalizing drugs, marijuana, and making it available for everybody who wants it. This is just one more blow to our young people because marijuana is a gateway. That's how you get introduced to more dangerous drugs. And from there, there's no turning back. And so when we hear the next shootout in a school nearby, don't be surprised. We shouldn't be surprised. If we teach our children that they are descendants of animals, it's only normal for them to behave like animals. You know, Satan knows what he's doing. He's very good at what he does, and he's doing a great job. If he succeeds at destroying the family, he will succeed at destroying our nation. And we're not far from it, I tell you that. Point number three, and this is when it's going to get ugly, okay? I blame a lot of these problems, a lot of these social problems, I blame them on the preachers of America. And I say that because across this country, we have preachers who have no backbone. They are afraid to make people upset. The reality is that you cannot present a good preaching presentation without presenting the reality of what we're dealing with. America was founded on biblical principles. But somehow we've gone away from it. Across this land, we have preachers who make merchandise of people. They have failed to scream out loud that judgment is coming. They love money more than doing what is right. And when they refuse to preach the truth, in the process, they send millions of people to hell. You know, it's a consistent theme if you, if you, if you read your Bible. The theme that runs throughout the Bible is that the people who had or have the truth and they, and they get away from it, the breakdown begins and society will crumble. Eventually, the whole thing will just fall apart. If you have the truth but you get away from it, you won't survive. It's just the way it is. But now in our country, not only we have our, our own government keeping the truth from the people, but we have thousands of fake preachers denying the truth from the very pulpit. You remove the fear of God from the people and make it illegal to pray and read the Bible in public places and eventually you will kiss your country goodbye. You'll have no country. This is what Jeremiah said about these pastors. You know, Pastor read this, this, this verse last week. It says, Jeremiah 56, verse 10 and 11. His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark. Sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yeah, they are, they are greedy dogs which cannot bark, which, which can never have enough. And they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look at their own way, everyone for his gain from his quarter. For me, a dog serves only one purpose. And that is to bark and let me know when someone is breaking into my house. But if that dog doesn't do that, that dog is useless to me. I don't want it. Every man who's given the opportunity to stand behind a pulpit has an obligation and that is to proclaim the word of God regardless of who is in opposition. His job is to be a watchman and preach the word of God regardless who li- of who likes it or doesn't like it. 
Tell the people that judgment is coming because it is coming. Being politically correct shall never enter the mind of a preacher. Never. Because we're dealing with the souls of people. And your response to the truth will determine where you're going to spend eternity. We need to point out the sins of the people. This is what we do. And plead with them. Be gentle. Plead with them to, to repent. You know, if you are here and you are a phony Christian, repent. That's all you have to do. Knowing that people are dying and going to hell should put a fire in your heart to plead with people. Tell them about the Lord. But these preachers are not doing that. They just want to get more money. These preachers feed mushy sermons every Sunday to the people and never talk about repentance. They are afraid to make anyone upset. And they don't understand that the penalty of sin is the fires of hell. That's where everybody's going if they don't repent. Preachers like Joel Osteen, Benny Hinn, Jezebel Meyer, Prince, Jimmy Swagger, Donnie Swagger, and many more are nothing more than greedy dogs. They can't even bark. You know, Jimmy Swagger is very slick. He tells his, his, his viewers to, to send them donations of $1,000. He always begins at 1000 never under that. And he tells them that the Lord will bless them 100-fold. I don't know how he comes up with that. But he also tells them that when he receives his, their, their donation, he said that he will send them a personal note. He said, I'll send you a button with a message on it. Two messages, one on each side. On one side, it will say, blessings from Jimmy Swagger to you and your family. And on the other, it will say, a sucker is born every minute. Keep sending me your money. And people do it. People do it. I don't know why. And so, if you look at this, God never sent, if you read the Old Testament, God never sent a prophet to a city or to a king, a wicked king, with a nice, sweet, positive message. It was always harsh, and that's why many of them got put to death. When Nathan went to see David to confront him for the death of I mean, Uriah, he prepared a nice, juicy break heartbreaking story and David never saw it coming until he stuck his bony finger in his face and said thou art the man 2 Samuel 12 7 when Elijah went to confront Ahab about the death of Naboth he didn't say you're such a nice king and we love you so much he said to King Ahab on the place where dogs lick the blood of Naboth dogs are going to lick up your blood that's to a king that can put him to death on the spot. And he also said, your wife Jezebel, dogs are going to eat her. And that's what happened. Then you come to the New Testament, uh, Acts chapter 7, when Stephen, you know, Stephen preached a long sermon. He started off from verse 7 to verse 53 in, in chapter 7. And he ran him through the whole history of the, of the nation of Israel. And he concluded by calling them stiff-necked, uncircumcised in heart and ears, who had received the law by dispensation of angels and had not kept it. He didn't preach like Joel Olsen. And when he was done, they invited him to come back the next Sunday to preach for them again. <laughs> no, they dragged them outside and stoned them to death. 
That's what they did. Like a bunch of little children, they stuck their fingers in the ears and say, we don't want to. We don't want to hear it. If you take a stand to stand to stand behind behind a pulpit and preach and do it the way that is in the Bible, the way God expects you to do it, you, you will make enemies. It's just the way it is. A man who steps into the pulpit needs to know that the enemies of Christ will hate him. And yes, there are times when preachers lay down their lives in, in, in trying to, to win people for the Lord. That's just the way it goes. But a man who fears God will never change the message. This message cannot be changed. Read John the Baptist. He began his ministry by calling people to repent. When the Lord began his ministry, he preached repentance. God has not changed his mind. He's going to, he's going to judge this world one of these days. He's just given us a little bit of time to, to repent. And no preacher has the right to change this message. For me, personally, have, I know that we have a good crowd here. This is, a, this is the saved crowd. But if you're not saved, this is for you. I want you to know that hellfire and brimstone is waiting for you if you refuse to repent before you take your last breath. It's, there's no way around this. People want to talk about the love of God, which is true. God is love, but that is only one of the attributes of God. If we're going to take God as a whole, we need to embrace every one of his attributes. Love is just, it's just one part of it. The hatred for the family can be traced all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. You can trace it all the way back. And if you want to know how much the church, family, and Christianity in particular has suffered because we embrace this message, read uh, John Fox and the history of the church. You'll find out how, how ugly it is. A lying preacher is a dangerous person because they use the Bible to accommodate whatever doctrine they want to preach and get money. You can make the Bible say whatever you want, really. You can, you can, make, you can get whatever you want out of the Bible. All you have to do is Rearrange it, take a verse out of context, twist it a little bit, add or take out something, and you can make whatever you want out of the Bible. And so the Bible that we love so much, and that we know it is the Word of God, becomes a dangerous book in the hands of false preachers. But because people don't want to hear the truth, they go to church trusting that the man that is standing behind the pulpit will tell them the truth. And they don't take the time to investigate what they're hearing. They go there for, to have the pastor scratch their ear. You know, they don't, they, don't, they don't read, they don't even read the Bible. This preacher sent millions of people to hell every year. And the people who listen to these pastors don't have the stomach to handle the truth. All they know is that God wants them to be healthy and wealthy, and that's it. Sin is never mentioned in their sermons. Hell is completely out, out the door. Suffering doesn't exist. Sacrificing is nowhere to be found. And the people who listen to these preachers are content. They're very content. You see the churches full to the brim every Sunday. When preachers remove the fear of God from the people, society will crumble. And the whole thing begins to disintegrate. 
If it always starts at the top, you would think that the highly educated people with the, with the, will be the ones that, that, that will keep these things together, but it's not. When you manage to lie to yourself and lose track of where you're going, somehow you pass that down to the people below you. And I don't know how that happens. But we all need a daily dose of reality. The heart of men, the Bible says, that is desperately wicked. Not just wicked, but desperately wicked. And if no one's telling you, just read your Bible. The Lord will tell you. To finish up in here, let's get back to the children. For these children, nobody winds up in prison overnight. It takes a long time for these people to get there. And I know that in, in, my, in my witnessing around, I, I notice that people get mad because I go to prison to preach to these hardcore criminals. And they say, how can you have a, a heart and compassion for these people? It's difficult to explain it unless you have been there and see what, what goes on in there. People get mad because they say that they get what they want. But don't get mad at them. You shouldn't get mad at, at, the, at, the, at the inmates. The people that you need to get mad at is your politicians, your judges, and your lawyers. Politicians because they sign crazy laws that benefit lawbreakers and oppress law-abiding citizens. There's nothing good to say about politicians. The only thing I can say is that it's good for them to enjoy what they're doing because this is their heaven. For judges because they have no backbone. Bleeding hearts, and they have too much compassion on criminals. And they allow vicious monsters to get off the hook by passing down light sentences. But I can tell you for sure that they will face the king one day. And the lawyers, because they have found a way to get into our justice system, and without shame, they defend guilty criminals. For sure, we're not going to see many lawyers in heaven. The Bible endorses the death penalty. It's all over the Bible. Because life is sacred. And a person who takes a life intentionally has to be put to death. Not only because it serves as a deterrent for others, but because that is the job of the government. Protect the people and punish the wicked. That's what they should do. Take your Bibles to Numbers 35, verse 30 and 31, please. Numbers 35, 30 and 31. Whoso killeth any person, the murderer should be put to death by the mouth of witnesses. But one witness shall not testify against any person to cause him to die. 31. Moreover, you shall take no satisfaction for the life of a murderer, which is guilty of death, but he shall be surely put to death. No ruthless killer should sit in a prison cell for 20 years or more. Get him in and get him out, dead. Romans 13, verse 4. For he is the minister of God, talking about the civil government here. For he is the minister of God, 
But if that do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the, mini- he is the minister of God, a revenger of, to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. You know, in Bible times, soldiers didn't go around with a sword spanking criminals. They went around cutting their heads off. Today, the police doesn't carry water guns. They carry real guns with real bullets. And anyone who resists the authority should not expect to have a good outcome. It's just not going to look good. Let me finish up in here. I concluded by telling you that the end result, like that, that guy that did that investigation, he said that things don't look good for, for these children. I'll conclude by telling you the end result of what happens when children grow up without a father, without a mother, or without, some, without someone who will guide them through their life. They need correction. They need love. They need, they need protection. But if they don't know that, they always do that which is wrong. It is true that in prison they get three meals a day and a bed to sleep on. That's true. But if you ever watch at a court when the, when the young inmate is sentenced to either life or death in prison, you see them, they, they fall apart. Some of them, they even pass out. That is because what's coming is so horrible that most, most, many of them commit suicide. They can't take it. New inmates, when they get to prison, they become somebody's toy. I'm not going to explain that. They rape each other. They stab each other. They strangle each other. Yeah, they kill each other. That's what they do. You'll never hear that in the news. Many of them commit suicide because that's the only way out. There is no, there is no relief for the brutality that goes on in there. And the cry for many of these people every time we go there is, if I only had my mom and dad when I was growing up. That's what you hear from these people. If I only had someone that would correct me and tell me what I was doing wrong when I was growing up, I would have never ended up in this place. But that's what you get when you neglect your family. And for these people, there's only two ways that they will turn out. When they are exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ, some of them do repent and get saved. But some of them are, have gone so far that they, comp- they turn completely dark and they just go completely evil. You, some of them, you just can't do anything about it. Some of these people have committed crimes that are so evil that even their own family don't want anything to do with them. They have been put away and forsaken for good. We need to remember that every one of these people was once a precious child. Every one of them. You know, the largest percentage of people in prisons is the result of broken homes. Only in prison you get to see the end result of what happens when we neglect our children. And I tell you, it's not good. It's not good at all. Proverbs 22.6 reads, Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. When you look at a, at a group of young children, like a, you know, our choir or any group of kids out there, when you look at these people, these children, you could be looking at a future doctor 
You could be looking at a future scientist. You could be looking at a future police officer. A future business person in your community. A future pastor. A future missionary. And on the other hand, you could be looking at the future Hitler. At a future Joseph Stalin. You could be looking at a future killer. Serial killer. You could be looking at a rapist. You could be looking at a bank robber. We just don't know. For those of us who have the privilege to work with young children in our church, it would be a good idea that we do our job, that we take our time and prepare and make the Bible to these young people not only fun but interesting. And when they grow up, when they get a little older, as they get older, tell them that we're dealing with things in here that are so profound that they will have eternal consequences. What we're trying to do here, we're trying to to get our children to fall in love with Jesus Christ. That's what we're trying to, to accomplish. And this is possible, but it takes many people and it takes time. But that's the one thing that not, not a lot of people have, time. You know, I, I, I'm always surprised when Brother Dalton makes an announcement from here. You know, we need volunteers to do this or to do that. I usually go to Eric because he's the one that organizes things. And I say, how many people volunteer to do this? Zero. Nobody has time. If we don't invest time in our children, we're going to lose them. They don't have a, their future looks really dark if we don't do our job. Planting the Word of God in the mind of a child will have, like I said, eternal consequences. Even if they depart from the Word of God when they get older, even if they backslide, as they say, they will remember these things. They will remember that somebody taught them these things and somebody cared when they were growing up. There's nothing more valuable than our children, really. The future is on them. If we don't do our job, I don't know what kind of country we're going to have in 20 years from now, if we even make it there. And so, right now, what we're looking at, as I see it, is we have a generation of godless people. You know, We haven't lost it yet, but we're really fast coming on it. It's very hard to get young people to embrace the teachings of the Bible when we try to, to do that. So all I can say is pray for them and tell them every day that no matter how dark things get, it's always possible for those who want to serve the Lord to do it and glorify Him with their lives. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.